about this week's weather? You made it happy? It was like 83. On Wednesday, I was on the river with some guys, and it was 83 to get 83 degrees. I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm taking off my sweater and had T-shirt the whole day, and it was great. And then on Friday, I drove up to Medford, Oregon, and it went from 83 degrees to 42 degrees. And I was like, I was dying. And it was so bad. And it, I just was talking to some people in the morning about how, um, you know, like you can be climatized, right? Acclimated to the environment where I, Californian blood becomes thinner. It's a scientific fact, I'm sure. I saw it on CNN and Fox. So just want to let you know. Leaving it there. Uh, but anyway, I, I was just freezing cold, and it reminded me um, when Don and I first moved here, you know, we moved. So Don and I, we, and our five kids moved from Wisconsin. We lived in northern Wisconsin. And, like, in the wintertime, not only did we get a ton of snow, it would be cold. Like, we had, we had like, weeks where it would be so cold because of the wind, it would be 70 below zero. They would call with the windshield factor, 70 degrees below zero. And I had a snowmobile, and uh, we would drive on these trails. And I remember one time it was, like, one of those 70 below zero days just with the wind got on the, the snowmobile and was going to drive out and have dinner, and so you're going 80 miles per hour on a snowmobile, which I started doing the math. I was like, it's like a 1,000 degrees below zero. We turned around, and we, <laughs> we ordered pizza or something, but it was so cold, and, and we moved here, and, and there's a lot of different reasons why we fell in love with Red Bluff, and I mean, at the end of the day, the real reason why we moved here is because we really felt like the Holy Spirit was leading us to do that. That's the, that's the official answer. You with me? But we also came in December, and it was like 80 degrees. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And so we got here. We moved in 2016 and came in June. And, you know, when we first got here in June, it was like, you know, 900 degrees, the opposite direction. But by the fall, I was like, this is amazing, you know. And it was like 50 degrees in our winter, and we just really loved it. And so we decided to go back and visit our family, though, um, in on the East Coast. And, and so Don and I... And the kids flew back there, and we went to the Washington Monument, the, you know, all the different sites. And I remember walking around, and I had this huge jacket on and, like, 18 scarves and, like, multiple gloves and seven hats. And I was just freezing cold, though. I was like, oh, my gosh, we are going to die out here. Like, it is, this is like, it's got to be like, I don't know, 50 below zero with this wind. And I'm just dying. My glasses, I was wearing glasses, were all fogged up. And so I was like, I'm just, oh my gosh, if, you know, those people in California don't know how good they have it. I was like, I got to look up and see how cold it is just so I could tell them how we survived in this 70 below zero. And I got my phone out and it was like 47 degrees. And I was like, what's happened to me? What has happened to me? I'm like such a wimp now. And I, I was reminded of that though yesterday um, because it was just so cold in Oregon. I was like, man, I just got to get back to that 80 degree weather. And then, I mean, you woke up this morning and blue blue sky, sunny. It's going to be an awesome day. It'd be a great day to go get a Christmas tree if you haven't had one. Just curious how many of you heathens are here who have not had a Christmas tree up yet? Just curious. You might want to get saved today. Today's the day. Today's the day. We put ours up last week. But, you know, our, our family is um, currently, you know, we haven't done this for a while, but we're, we're celebrating Hanukkah. And, you know, maybe you've never heard of Hanukkah. It is a Jewish uh, holiday, and so Jewish people, you know, religious Jewish people don't um, believe that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, um, but they do have their own traditions, and one of them is Hanukkah. And years ago, we we had discovered um, through 
you know, some relationships that Hanukkah actually has a lot of, of things that point to Jesus. And so we had, um, over the years, we developed what I would call a messianic version of Hanukkah. Because what Hanukkah is, how many of you have seen the menorah? Like, you know about it, right? There's, there's nine candles total. There's four on one side and four on the other, and then there's the middle candle. And so Jewish people, when they, when they celebrate Hanukkah, what they're remembering is God's um, miraculous provision of oil and light during a period of time when the Jewish people were being highly persecuted. Right? This is before Jesus was born. But in our Bibles, in the Gospel of John, there's a time where Jesus actually celebrates the Festival of Lights. Do any of you remember that in John? And that was Hanukkah. And so Jesus himself, during that festival, he makes the statement, I am the light of the world. And so Hanukkah actually points to Jesus. So we developed this, this Messianic Hanukkah that we do, uh, that we've done. We haven't done it for a number of years, but this year we're like, we're going to do it. And so it's a remembrance of God's supernatural provision, um, but our, our way of doing it um, is a way of reminding ourselves of who Jesus is. But I've been cracking up because um, we pray these prayers, and it's like one of the fun things about those is that I get to use Hebrew, and I took Hebrew in seminary, and, and I, haven't, I don't use Hebrew every day, contrary to popular opinion. So it's like really fun because I get to read all these Hebrew prayers. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this from seminary. And so like, you know, we, we get together and, you know, we pray these prayers and we have them written out and the kids read them along with us. So, you know, we're like, Baruch Adah Adnai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam. And our kids are like, Baruch Adah Adonai Melech. You know, it's like just so entertaining. And I'm just like, oh yes, keep speaking Hebrew. Just throw a in it and you're fine. But one of the prayers that we pray at the very end is the last prayer. Listen to what this prayer, what this, listen to what this prayer says. This is really interesting. Just reflecting on these words. It says, we kindle these lights to commemorate, or maybe to honor, in the Hebrew, to honor the miracles and wonders and the saving acts that you, God, have performed for our forefathers. So I'm reading that prayer this week, and it just really stood out to me that, that if there's anything that I think is really super clear in the Bible, I mean, I think this is like very clear in the Bible, if you've ever had a chance to spend some time studying the Bible, you'll realize that from Genesis to Revelation, what we see is that there's this storyline, and it starts with the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. The Old Testament's got a lot of emphasis on the people of Israel. But what I've realized, and I think I kind of connect with this prayer, is that the story of Israel is the story of us. The story of Israel is the story of us. And what I mean by that is that when you read the Old Testament, you see all these different stories of of like starting with the, with the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then how many of you have heard those names, just out of curiosity? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs of the Jewish faith, right? And then Moses, how many of you have heard of Moses? Moses is a really central figure in the Old Testament. He gets the, the law, the Mosaic covenant is given to him for the nation of Israel. And you can keep on reading, and what you see in the New Testament is Paul comes along and says, listen, all of the blessings and promises that were given to those people and to the nation of Israel are yours in Christ Jesus. So their story is our story. The, the Old Testament is not just a, a um, you know, like non-helpful 
document. I mean, it really has a lot to offer us. Um, and I, but I also think, though, at the same time, you know, when we talk about the story of Israel as the story of us, I also would say that the Old Testament can be really confusing. I mean, if you ever just randomly open up your Bible and start reading the Old Testament, you may find something that, like, oh, I'm familiar with the story. How many of you have heard, by a show of hands, the story of David and Goliath? Right? How about Noah and the Ark? These are popular stories. How many of you have opened up to the book of Leviticus and read about the food that you're not allowed to eat? And you're just like, what is going on in this passage? Right? There's parts of the Old Testament that are really challenging because of, of a number of reasons. But one of them is that there's a massive amount of distance between us living in 2021 and the people living in the Old Testament days. We're talking about thousands and thousands of years that have, that have transpired since the times that we're talking about in the Old Testament. And so we read them sometime, and, and, and what we're doing is we're like, oh, man, I'm trying to wrap my head around the way that they, they live. It's like today, I mean, think about how for those of you in this room who are over 30 years, uh, over 35 for sure, you kind of remember when the Internet was started, right? It was like, oh, you know, you like click in, it was like, you're like waiting for it to connect, you know, and if you, if you really grew up around the AOL days, you've got mail. You're like, yes, right? Like, and now email is like what old people do, right? Like, I hate email. I don't even check it. Sorry, by the way. It's just overwhelming. Like, we live in a day now where everybody has massive amounts of social media, right? Like people, I mean, I always, when my kids are doing like Snapchat, I think that's the thing. I like jump in. I'm like, hey, I'm on Twitter right now doing some Instagram live on Twitter feeds with Snapchats. And I just start making things up. And they're like, just stop recording, (laughs) you know. But we live in this world that that it's so normal now to have all these different communication devices. But even 25 years ago or 30 years ago, it was like you had to do this thing called pick up a phone. And then some of those phones, you would turn something. Remember? And it was like. It's like, whoa, now it's just so different. And so it's, it's like that, only it's magnified massively when it comes to the Old Testament. Because they lived in a world where, where they didn't have many of the things that we just take for granted that are just part of our world. And so there's this major distance both in culture and in time. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Old Testament can be really, really scary. But culturally, there's major differences between the Old Testament and today as well. I mean, the Jewish culture is just, it's just very different than our Western way of, of processing and thinking. I mean, when we write things, we write from what, which direction? From left to right. But in Hebrew, everything is from right to left. In so many ways, it just feels like it's almost the opposite of what we do. But understanding the Old Testament, I believe this with all of my heart, understanding the Old Testament is crucial to understanding the New Testament. And it's also crucial to understanding better who Jesus is. And so just for a moment, this is kind of a side tangent thing, just out of curiosity, how many of you have iPhones? Okay, keep your hands up. How many of you have Google Android products? Right, so there's a lot of cell phones in the room, right? And I don't know if you know this, but our church has an app. You can actually get it on the Google and and Apple Store, okay? You can download the Red Bluff Vineyard Church app. And what I have put on there this morning is a thing, a thing called 
um, an Old Testament th- th- uh, thematic um, timeline. And so just out of curiosity, like how many of you would agree right now when you come to the Old Testament and you see all of those books, you're just like, oh my gosh, where do I even begin? Anybody honest able to say that? It's like, what? Right, like there's these prophets. Habakkuk? Habakkuk is a name in the Old Testament. It's crazy. I wanted to name one of my kids Habakkuk so bad. Come here, Habby. You know, something Zephaniah, Isaiah, Malachi. I mean, we, you know, we go from Habakkuk to names that are kind of common, but there's these, these passages of the Old Testament that are really hard to understand. And here's the other challenging thing about the Old Testament. It's not written chronologically. So you're reading it, you're like, where does this all fit? And so what I want to encourage you to do, if, you, if you're just curious about having a better understanding of the Old Testament, if you already have the app, you can, you can get this. But if you don't, download the app, and we have this PDF document that I put on there that has the whole entire themes of the Old Testament that you can read, and you can have a better understanding of what's going on when you're reading particular books of the Bible. But the story of Israel is interesting because it's full of conflict, pain, and longing. I mean, I've read the Old Testament a lot. I've read the Bible, you know, from front to back several times. But every time I read the Old Testament, I, I just find myself feeling like, man, there's so much conflict. There's so much pain. And then you also have this sense of longing that develops over the course of the Old Testament um, story. Because God's pit people, Israel, you know, they're constantly going through these cycles in these, these backsliding moments where they're conquered by nations. And they're constantly going through these major, big, cataclysmic conflict events. And yet they keep on having this longing for this Messiah figure who would make everything better. And that's, that's the story. I mean, it's, it's really funny how in Genesis, you go to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. It's like, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? And, like, oh, this is pretty cool. and then it's like chapter 2 lays out more of the storyline. And then after human beings are created, there's this thing called the fall. Right? Where Adam and Eve, they rebel against God. And there's like all these theologians who are like, let's spend some time figuring out how long it was after Adam and Eve were created before the fall happened. And they have all these different, like, arguments. I'm pretty positive it was, like, 37 seconds after the creation. It's like, it was like, right away, they're like, oh, I got an idea. Let's not listen to anything God said. What does he know? I mean, it just happens so quickly. Right away, there's this conflict. And then, you know, as you read the story, very quickly, there's two brothers named Cain and Abel who are who are born and one kills the other and, and from that point on it's like as one person has said when you are reading the book of Genesis it's like it's like the Jerry Springer show it is just like one crazy event after the other or is it Maury whatever you know it's like oh my gosh who's the father we don't know but it's just always crazy stuff happening and there's all this conflict and this pain, but what's really interesting is that you see these cycles where after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs, there's this people known as Israel who become a nation, and they finally are, are promised this land that they could live in, and so they have to go through this whole process of getting to the land, and it's like this up and down battle, 
And they're constantly, you know, like moving forward and then moving backwards. And they're constantly having to fight people. And then they get into their land. And then other nations are constantly trying to take the land back from them. And the Jewish people have to go against the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Chaldeans. And it is crazy. And then finally, the Roman Empire takes over all of the land of Israel. And the people of Israel are occupied in their own land. And there's Roman soldiers everywhere, and they can't do whatever they want. They don't have the freedoms that you and I have right now. And what's happening all along the story, though, is this. People of Israel are going through conflict, grief, suffering. Conflict, grief, suffering. It's over and over and over again. Along the way, prophets are raised up by God. And they stand up and say, listen. It shall come to pass in the last days that I'm going to raise up a servant who will be a light to the world. I am going to, God is going to, to raise up a figure who will bring salvation. He will make everything right. And so the people of Israel are constantly going through these valleys and they're constantly suffering and and facing all the griefs and sorrows that, the, that are experienced in the world, but they constantly have this thing called hope because they have an anticipation that one day God is going to fix everything. He's going to fix everything. And that's the storyline of the Old Testament. One day God would redeem all of the world. And it's amazing because when you're looking at these cycles, you see it over and over again. And so... There's this prophet named Isaiah, though, and it's really interesting because Isaiah is, is uh, he writes a, 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 a it's his, the book of Isaiah is 66 chapters long. And some b- biblical scholars say in, a, in the same way that our Bibles are 66, it has 66 books in it, the, the book of Isaiah is like a mini Bible in that he has 66 chapters and you can actually trace a very similar storyline through it. But Isaiah was this prophet, and what had happened is Israel had kept going through all these cycles. Bad, bad, worse, bad, bad, worse, cataclysmic events, judgments happening. And it's like the people of Israel are constantly just really suffering. And along comes this prophet named Isaiah, and listen to the words that the Isaiah, um, this passage has. Listen to these words. This is what the prophet Isaiah says. He prophesies and says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. His rule, with, he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. And, and so we have this passage in Isaiah that if you have ever paid any attention to Christmas time, you've heard this passage, right? Unto us a child is born. And he has these titles, and this is what we're, you know, knowing a little bit of Hebrew is really fascinating because like in the Hebrew, it's not wonderful counselor, like adjective noun. It's actually noun, noun. So he shall be called wonder, counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and His government will never end. And I love that part because I am so sick and tired of our government. It's like, I just like, oh, just calm down, you conservatives. But on, on the real, like, I'm, this gives me hope because, and I'm just going to tell you, my political ideology is that they're all corrupt, okay? I just find all of them, right, left, they're all crazy. But I do know that Jesus isn't crazy, and Jesus is going to rule with true justice and fairness. And that is why I think we can be engaged in pol- political processes now, we should be. And we can advocate for certain perspectives and ideologies. But at the end of the day, the longing of followers of Jesus is that Jesus would return and he would set up his kingdom on earth and the knowledge of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's the longing. Because we rightly know who our true king is. We know that Jesus is our king. Amen? And so we have this passage, and I just, I just love this. I love it that it's, it comes out of this the story of Israel suffering and having conflict and all these issues. And then prophet Isaiah says, listen, there's going to be a day that comes when unto us is born a child. And he will be known as the wonder, the counselor, the everlasting mighty God, the father of all creation and the prince of peace. And he's going to rule in a righteous way. And the church and Israel says, amen. They say amen. This week, um, something terrible happened, as most of you know. Um, there was a terrible shooting in Michigan. And, um, you know, when it happened, um, it's like, man, another shooting is terrible. And I, I don't know if you know, some of you might know this, but that's the school where Don went to school in Oxford, Michigan. And so when it happened, I remember I was just like, at Oxford? I mean, like, Oxford is this very well-to-do community, um, you know, um, growing, uh, we, uh, we, I lived in Michigan for a month with your grandparents, yeah, because I was like, I'm going to marry this girl. So I lived with your grandparents, and, you know, I, I was in this community, and so I'm reading on the news, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is, this is terrible, and, and then I start seeing, like, friends of, of our family who are posting, like, this is just happening, keep praying, we're not sure if all of our cousins are safe, and I'm like, every time things like this happen, I don't know about you, but it's like, I just get grieved in my heart, because it reminds me of when when we had our Rancho Tehama shooting, quite honestly, and I remember at that moment, I was just like, it's just overwhelming, it's really hard for me to just like, emotionally, I just cannot understand that, and it's just so terrible, can we just agree that it's terrible? It is, it's evil, it's wrong, it's, it's just beyond imaginable. And so, you know, as we've been thinking about this and praying this in our family and talking about it, it's like, you know, we know people in a community. And, and I got to tell you, though, this is, this is what happens in addition to all these different thoughts that go through my hand, head about this time, is it's moments like this that remind me about why Advent matters. It's moments like, like this week or, you know, previous conflicts that we have in our, our nation. I mean, every single time something crazy happens, um, you know, I think a couple of things. Obviously, the first thought I have is, man, people are dumb. Or 
or, or ridiculous or foolish or you always have some type of people are dot, 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 right? And then I, but then I switched to like, this is human nature and I'm also dumb and I'm also dot, dot, dot. And, and there's this like turmoil that goes on because what happens is I start to have this, this longing and this anticipation again for Advent. So Advent, we just heard uh, when the Niles were up here, who did such a great job, can we agree? Like, good job. We just heard that Advent means coming. And so the first Advent is Jesus' birth, right? And so Jesus' birth, his life, his, his, his work on the cross, all of these things are celebrated when we think about Advent. Like Jesus was the first human and the only human that literally was born to die. Why did he die? For your sins, for my sins. Right? And so it's moments like these that remind me of why Advent matters. And followers of Jesus, though, we do this really crazy thing called living intention. And we, we live between two Advents, two arrivals, two comings. We, we live... Uh, in between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. We're in this tension right now. And so we look back during Advent right now, we're looking back and we're, we're, we're gazing upon and we're meditating upon and we're honoring and celebrating Jesus' his birth and his death and his resurrection, all these things that are the foundation of our faith. But those foundations also produce in us expectations for the second coming. And that's something we have to realize that Christmas actually is not just about Jesus' birth. Christmas or Advent is also about Jesus' final future return when he sets up his reign and he renews everything and he puts it all back together the way that he intended. So Advent is when we remember Christ's, his birth, and, but from that we get joy. And, and that's kind of what I think we need to kind of be feasting on in this season is that Meditating on that should produce joy. And then the Advent hope um, that we have about the past should also stimulate in us a little bit of longing for the future. Because remember how I said the story of Israel is our story? So in the same way that Israel longed for their Messiah, we today long for our Messiah as well. I mean, I love thinking that someday all of these conflicts and the things that are wrong in our world are going to be made right. And so I guess what I'm kind of hinting at is basically what we're trying to do here at the Vineyard is 365 days a year here at the Vineyard, we want to help the world and the community around us to experience Advent joy. Like it doesn't have to be in December, amen? Like Advent joy is something we can experience in July. That's why I've always wanted to do Christmas in July. So I love it because I want my presents. So we have this beautiful thing, though, that we can celebrate. So here's my observation. I'll close with this. My observation is that human beings, I mean, like, I don't know, maybe this is not totally true of everybody, but it seems like we like war and violence. Like, my favorite movies, I mean, have historically been, like, war films. Like, I remember when I watched Braveheart for the first time, I was like, that was mind-blowing. Like, that was so cool. And the Patriot, and there's all these really cool movies that are, I, I like historical movies and things too. But it seems like human beings, if you study anything about history, you'll know that we're always at war. 
with somebody, right? Like it's just uh, like throughout history, it's like war, 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 war. And, but, and so that's one thing that God's peace is going to fix. And I hope we would all agree, agree that that's a good thing, right? But here's another war that I think we have to realize. I think we as human beings oftentimes are at war in ourselves. We're oftentimes at war in ourselves. And that's why we struggle as human beings to, to deal with these inward, inner conflicts that are going on. Whether it's anxiety, or grief, or anger, or a common one is disappointment. A friend of mine once told me that pastoring is basically helping people manage their disappointments. And I was like, that's probably the best definition I've ever heard. I think that's just part of human beings, right? We, we get disappointed. And so there are all these inner, inner battles going on. And so I'm just assuming that if you're here and you're a human being, check your pulse if you need to. But if you're a human being, I'm going to assume that you have inner battles that go on in your life. And, and it might be insecurities. It might be, it might be that you're, you're frustrated with where you're at in life. You know, you didn't get that, that job um, that you were trying to go for, or maybe you're stuck in some type of relationship situation that it's just a cycle of up, down, up, down, up, down. Or maybe you're frustrated because you're going through some crazy things with your family. Maybe for you, Advent, Christmas time is terrible because it brings up all these reminders of your past, or, or maybe you've you've lost loved ones and you're, you're struggling with all these things. Let me tell you, this is the beautiful news about Advent. Is this morning we had a reminder of the peace that comes because of Jesus. And so no matter what kind of battle or war or tension or inner struggle you're going through, just like Wes said, God's peace is able to surpass all of our understanding. And you can be in the midst of going through these crazy, challenging situations, and then God's presence just comes into the story, and you're reminded of the hope that God has given over and over again, and you get peace. And it's an absolutely amazing, miraculous, supernatural thing. Let's stand together. This morning I was just standing during our um, singing time and just had this reminder of how um, there's this, this story in the Gospels uh, where Jesus is with his disciples. And I love reading the Gospels and I love reading Jesus' interaction with the disciples because I feel like there's first of all 12 disciples in Probably most of us in some way or shape or form can identify with one of those disciples. So like, I really identify with Peter because he is Mr. Foot and Mouth. Like he's constantly saying the wrong thing and then later on it's like, I mean, Jesus tells him, get behind me, Satan. Right? And then he's like the primary leader of the church. It's like, oh man. But I love these stories where Jesus is interacting with his disciples and there's this one time that Jesus gets in this boat with his disciples and you know Jesus is just I mean I just I love Jesus I just love how he's like let's go to the other side of the lake and so they start 
you know, rowing their boat and um, they leave this huge crowd behind them and uh, Jesus just falls asleep, which just proves that napping is totally okay, right? So those of you who are nappers, Jesus approved. But he, Jesus is like, all right, let's go to the other side of the, of the lake and he just like falls asleep. And so then if you know the story, this massive storm starts happening. And I've been on lakes and boats when storms happen, and it's crazy because what happens is it's like you see you see the clouds coming. And if you've ever done this, you know, right? You know, it's like, oh, this is kind of crazy. And then you might see some lightning. And you're like, uh-oh, no more fishing, right? And you're just like, oh, this is getting worse and worse. And then what happens is the wind will pick up. And, and so it happens like over a period of time. It's not just like, boom, storm. Okay. You see it happening, and then the waves start going like this, and then your boat starts going all crazy, and you're in the midst of the turmoil. You're in the midst of whatever. It's just crazy, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so afraid. Water will start pumping over the sides of your boat, and you feel like you're going to die. And that's where the disciples are out. They're with Jesus, and Jesus is, I don't know if he's hard, but get my point. He's sleeping. And then they, like, wake him up. He wakes up. And he's, it's like so beautiful. Jesus just stands up and he, I just know, Jesus looked at his disciples and he's like, come on guys, where's your faith? And then he looks at the storm and he says, be still. And the storm immediately calms. Immediately calms. So here's the deal. You are probably right now or you have experienced storms in your life where you're in the midst of a storm there's an inner struggle. There's relationships that are, that are, you know, messed up that you're involved in. There's, there's things happening in your job that you're just really frustrated about. Maybe you have these anxieties and these fears and these, these memories that you just can't get over. You're, you just feel stuck. You're like, I am stuck. I, I don't know how to, how to get out of this. And this is the good news of Advent. You need to hear that, this right now. Is that Jesus came to be the Prince of Peace. He came to stand up in the middle of your storm and to say, peace, be still. And so I'm going to encourage you to close your eyes right now if that would help you maybe hear from God or posture your heart just a bit. see in the Bible that peace is a primary thing. In fact, if you, know, you wanted to know what does it mean to be saved, you know, what, what happened when Jesus died on the cross, what's the primary theme? I think that the, one of the primary themes about the crucifixion of Jesus is that, that Jesus made peace by his blood. just going to assume right now that maybe there's something that in your mind you're like, yeah, that is a, that's a conflict going on inside of me. Maybe you have some anxiety about a particular situation. Maybe, maybe there's some fears that you have. Maybe you're still trying to figure out how to manage the disappointments that you've had time and time again. Maybe you, you feel like, I let my guard down, and then this happened again. I put myself out there, and, and this, this happened again. I just want to let you know this morning that 
I think God's offer for peace is real. And I think that if you can become like the disciples who turn to Jesus in the midst of the storm and ask for help in the same way that Jesus stood up in the midst of that storm and said, peace be still, Jesus can stand in the middle of your storm and say, peace be still. Peace be still. So I want to pray for you. If you you have some type of storm going on right now, I just assume that there's got to be something happening. I just want to pray for you. You don't have to come forward this morning. You don't have to raise your hands. You can just receive this prayer. Um, And so, Father, I just thank you for the reminder that Advent gives us that there's these themes that, that, that are foundational to the first coming, but also foundational to the second coming. So right now, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, for those storms, those conflicts, those anxieties, those fears, those disappointments, those frustrations, those unforgiveness situations that we're holding on to, I pray in the name of Jesus that that you would grant peace. That right now you would grant peace. That we would all have a sense that everything is going to be okay. It may not be easy, but as we read the story of the Bible, we can, we can trust that everything is going to be okay. Church, just for a moment here, let's just let me stand and just wait on the Holy Spirit for just a moment, a moment longer. I, I keep having this um, this sense that, that there are a number of people in this room that fear is a really major, big barrier or obstacle right now. That, that there's just some things that you're afraid of. Some fear that I feel like there's a few of you that you're, you're struggling with and feeling like you have fear because you feel like it's over. Like whatever, I don't know if it's a relationship or if it's a situation, but you feel like it's over. I feel like God wants to replace that fear with his perfect love. And then I have a, a sense that um, you need to be reminded that for every single day of our year, there are actually... Bible, a Bible verse that says, fear not. That one of the things that God has come to do into our lives through Jesus is to remove fear. So if we could just for a moment, if that is you, if you'd say, yeah, I, I have some fear that I'm, I'm working through right now. You don't have to come forward this morning, but I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you right now. So God, I pray right now for anybody in this room that struggling with fear, I pray that you would remove that fear. The Bible, the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. And so in the name of Jesus, I pray that perfect love would enter into the story right now, Jesus. That fear would no longer be controlling. But 
that the peace of Jesus' kingdom would replace them. So Father, as we now transition from this space of of singing and praying, of celebrating the Eucharist, of feasting on Scripture, the reminder of of Jesus' coming and future coming, I pray that, Lord, as we we go out and we scatter into the community around us, that your grace would follow us, that your presence would continue to empower us, and that we would function as lights to the world, and that we would take the love and the peace that you give and share it with all those we come in contact with. Lord, help us to also be generous and to be thoughtful as a community. Lord, I just pray for this, the tree, the, the angel on the giving tree. I pray that that would be a way for us to love our community. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's people who agreed said amen. Folks, have a great Sunday. Stop by the tree, and we'll see you next week.